Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Love these rejoins. Thanks to Jim Cutler, voice of ESPN. Thanks to Tommy to get it up for getting it all together. Welcome back to Nuanez Now, one-stop shop for all things sports across the beautiful state of Montana each and every day right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula as well as statewide. SWX Montana Television. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? It was a good one. A lot of guests. Cam Gardner, University of Utah football transfer to Montana State. Wide receiver. He joined us off the top. We also talked a lot about women's basketball in the Big Sky Conference around the Big Sky women's hoops, the Crystal Red Path. We talked about the Lady Grizz hiring of Brian Holsinger. Talked about some Lady Grizz roster uh, overturn. We also talked about the uh, various coaching openings in the Big Sky Conference. It's been a coaching carousel in the Big Sky to be sure. If you missed anything in the first hour, you can find it on the podcast, which is proudly presented by Sports Bet Montana, Blackfoot Communications, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. Speaking of Blackfoot Communications, it's time now for a business angle with our good buddy Justin Angle. It is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications. This is a conversation about the overlay between sports and business. Justin, I know I haven't talked to you in a couple weeks. How you been doing, my man? Been doing well, Coulter. You know, the days are getting longer. The sun is out. I wish it were a little bit warmer, but um, no complaints. 
Well, you never get cold though, right? Because don't you just run everywhere? Justin, Justin's not just a business professor. He's also a, like a great um, distance runner, uh, once upon a time a Division One distance runner. So he can always warm himself up no matter what's going on. Just go for a nice little jog. It is nice to have it's a good skill days. to have. It is a great skill to have for sure. One that I could never convince myself to do, but that's here nor there. Tease for later this week, by the way. We're doing a big blowout for the Big Sky Conference Outdoor Track and Field Championships. I have a male and female athlete from both Montana and Montana State going to join us. So we caught up. With and we'll play these interviews throughout the week, but Tanessa Morris from the University of Montana, Brett Yankee from the University of Montana, as well as Duncan Hamilton from Montana State, and Carla Nicasia from Montana State will join us later on this week. Nuana's now, and uh, Duncan Hamilton is an impressive story because this is a kid who's a sophomore from Bozeman running at MSU. And his weekend, this sounds like my nightmare, but it's like his dream come true. He will kick off the meet by running the 3,000-meter steeplechase. Then later on Friday, he will run the 1,500-meter prelims. Then he will get to uh, perhaps run the 1,500-meter finals on Saturday, and then he will kick it or he will finish the meet with <laughs> the carnage that is the 5K that finishes up the Big Sky Outdoor Championships each and every year. So, Just, I know you're familiar with distance running. That sounds like quite a lot of miles to me. That's a heavy load, in particular at the speed at which these young athletes are running. I mean, being able to make it through... Uh, a meet like that and those various commitments, you start really having to think about recovery, right? And how you sort of treat yourself immediately following an effort and how you get ready for the next effort and sort of manage the accumulated fatigue. And yeah, it'll be a, it'll be quite a challenge for these folks. Duncan Hamilton at the indoor championships, he ran a 3:39 in the mile and watching the video is just like, this dude is sprinting faster than I can even run for four consecutive laps. It's unbelievable. That's one of my favorite things to cover is those distance races because that's where you get the best interviews. You just post up at the end of the 5K, at the end of that four-day championship. The winner, he's going to be so shot and so high from running this 5,000 meters that it's going to be the greatest interview you ever had. I used to, I love covering those things. So best of luck to all the athletes that are competing. Uh, speaking of student-athletes and students in general, University of Montana had their graduation celebration recently, and uh, it was sort of almost normal and that's a pretty cool thing so i know you have uh, had a pretty tough couple years here justin with adjusting to remote learning and all this online stuff and, and trying to keep kids engaged and just the tumultuous nature of university learning in general during a pandemic but it must have been pretty cool for you to see some of your kids walk across the stage and, and actually have a graduation celebration hundred percent. You know, as everybody knows, it's been, it's been a tough time for everybody. It's been a tough time for, for, uh, for colleges and universities. I mean, what students are going through or have gone through is not what they signed up for. And, you know, the fact that we could close out a difficult academic year with all sorts of health accommodations and, you know, just compromises in general, to be able to offer an in-person graduation and see the students walk across the stage and interact in a way that kind of felt just about almost normal to see the parents embrace the, the uh, celebration, it was pretty special. The weather cooperated. It was really cool to be able to do it in Washington Grizzly Stadium again and just think about, you know, as, as, as we approach 
normality, you know, this this is going to be really special. And I think there's pent up demand to hear, you know, gather as a crowd and watch sports and, and all of it. So it was just kind of a, a really fun moment to sort of mark what is what I hope is a transition. And we're going to sort of be uh, marching back toward normal from here on out. We'll see. Fingers are crossed. A lot of things going on in the wide world of sports, particularly when it comes to the overlay with business. And one thing that's been at the top of the list for quite some time is all of the fluctuation in the NCAA when it comes to student-athlete welfare, student-athlete rights. And one thing that has really, really been on the tip of everybody's tongue has been uh, about this name, image, and likeness. This goes into effect where... Student athletes can monetize their name, image, and likeness. It goes into effect in five states on July 1st, New Mexico, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and Mississippi. This is uh, quite a deal that those are the states leading the charge when you talk about Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and Mississippi. Those are four of the biggest recruiting hotbeds, particularly when it comes to college football. But this has been something that's been in the works for a while. But now Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA, and the NCAA in general are pushing Congress for action on a name, image, and likeness. So take us through this, Justin. I mean, what has developed lately, and what sort of impact, if and when these things go into effect, do you think this has on sort of the monetization of recruiting in Division One sports? Yeah, there are so many issues associated with, with that, Coulter. You know, and this kind of dates back originally to a 2009 case with former UCLA basketball player Ed O'Bannon was suing the NCAA over their use of his likeness on a video game and claiming that, hey, you know, that's his likeness, that's his property in a way, and he should be able to receive benefits associating with promoting that likeness. And it's a pretty reasonable case, but it kind of marked the first moment at which the NCAA's stranglehold on you know, who gets the money and where it goes started to break. And, you know, it's been chipped away, chipped away, chipped away slowly until, you know, finally we're at a stage where states are passing laws, like the five you mentioned, um, allowing student-athletes to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness, to build their own brand and, and monetize it in a way. And Florida, for example, is already recruiting on this attracting students or you know selling student athletes on the prospect of coming to Florida universities to compete because it's a better money making opportunity I mean a lot of these pitches on recruiting used to be like hey we'll give you the best chance at um, setting your setting you up for a successful draft or a professional opportunity or whatever but now you can make money you know students are going to be able to make money um, at, you know as students and um, you know, that recruiting asymmetry is interesting. You see the conferences that, that uh, are in states or, the, you know, the universities in states that haven't passed such laws are, are, are screaming because they want, you know, they want either the same laws in their states or they want some national policy through Congress or through the NCAA. But it just seems like, you know, the states are out ahead and uh, the, the NCAA has nothing but lawsuits and demands of... Um, of demands of Congress. And to think that Congress is going to take this up and to act quickly is pretty naive, especially when these laws go into effect um, July 1st in the, in the five states you listed. You're right. There's so many layers to this. It's a, it's a business angle with Justin Angle, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this every other Tuesday here on Nuanez Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana TV. In your mind, though, Justin, what is the best case scenario? 
And what is the worst case scenario that could come about from that name, image, and likeness? Oh gosh, I mean, I, the, the worst case scenarios are, are kind of obvious in that they just surface so many kind of equity issues associated with you know who gets the compensation um, and what that could do to team dynamics, what that could do to um, you really does it pull the curtain back on it, what in some at some places is the myth of student athletes are these people really students are they really getting an education um, and participating in coursework and so forth so from it from an academic standpoint i'm fearful that it will create a lot of um kind of perverse incentives as a business uh, professor however like giving this Given, giving young people the opportunity to run their own businesses um, in terms of monetizing their name, image, and likeness. That could provide interesting educational opportunities. So, I mean, I guess that's one take on it. Um, it does seem, though, that, you know, it really, as we move forward, I mean, maybe it'll be fine. Maybe, you know, the, the, the way the kind of hierarchy and pecking order on a team works as far as, you know, who gets the most preferential treatment, who, you know, who gets the highest profile and, and, you know, his or her name in the paper or in the highlight reel or whatever, you know, those are just sort of benefits of notoriety and similar benefits of who gets the dollars will probably accrue and, you know, along the same pattern. So culturally it, it could be a problem, but it, but it could not be. And, um, you know, the question there, too, is, like, if students are able to monetize their name, image, and likeness, are universities going to maybe support student-athletes less in some ways? Are scholarship dollars going to dry up? Or, you know, what, what's, how is it going to kind of percolate throughout a university athletics department? And, um, you know, then as you start to chip away at some of this stuff, it's like, is the NCAA really necessary anymore? And then... If you get there, it's just some big kind of existential questions about college sports, what it means, does the model make sense? Um, it's not hard to, to sort of draw out scenarios in which it starts to make less sense, um, particularly from when, when, when the benefits are accruing directly to the athletes. On the other hand, you know, it's an entrenched system, and maybe getting more benefits to the athletes is more equitable and it could could create a more sustainable system I, i'm not sure it'll be really interesting to see how it unfolds it's so 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 complicated and i i think about this all yeah. the time because there's there's two sides to every portion of this incredibly massive issue on one hand i mean you yourself you're a business professor at the university of montana there's, uh, uh, is it called the Blackstone, uh, where you get where it's like a kind of a business creation competition? Do I have that right? Yeah, and, yeah. And so, Blackstone Launchpad, and but, then we have the business right. plan competition. Yeah. Right. So you have business plan competition and Blackstone Launchpads, and and students can create businesses, and they can. I mean, I think that a lot of the the people that have won these competitions, or or, or you know, have had great um, ideas have turned these into real businesses. I know that Skyline Sports, my website, my, our multimedia company, my brother made his business plan as a part of the Blackstone deal. And yeah, I think he Big got... Big Sky Brewing, success story. That's yeah. right. I mean, there's Big Sky Brewing, right. I think Five on Black might have been one of them, you know, here in Missoula. Indeed, I mean, yep. And so that's awesome. And so to say that... So, so you have a talent and you have intuition to be able to create a business while you're in college, and then that sets you up for great success in your life. That's good. That's what education is all about. And so to, to, to deny that to a basketball or a football player or something like that 
I think that's silly. But on the other hand, I worry so much where this becomes the meat market of recruiting, the way that these schools are using the money to exploit kids. Uh, the thing I worry about the most, though, is you were talking about the hierarchy and the pecking order of uh, a roster. I think that's the most fascinating part because I think in some sports, it's a little bit linear. If you're a great uh, athlete in certain sports and you come to school and you develop at a, a proper rate, you're going to main you're going to maintain your reputation within your team, within your program, within your conference as one of the best players on that team. But we've seen this in football, specifically in the state of Montana, but across football, all, all across football. If every guy that was the five star recruits or the elite eleven quarterbacks coming out of high school, if it was just linear, then we would have all of the five, former five star quarterbacks as all the top picks in the NFL draft. We would have all of these guys, and. About half of the guys that went in the first two rounds of the NFL draft this last year were four- or five-star recruits, but about half of them weren't. And we've seen these guys that were maybe underdogs, and it's it's even accentuated more at schools like Montana and Montana State where you have walk-ons or partial scholarship guys. I guess the point I'm making is what you are in football when you're 17 and 18 is nothing compared to what you are when you're 22 or 23. A lot of times guys peak early, but also a lot of times guys peak late. And so I wonder so much what happens when the guy who gets the $250,000 endorsement from the car dealership in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, flops, and what does that do to the chemistry of your roster when you have the guy who's the walk-on from Backwoods, Mississippi, who becomes the star? I just think that it, it, it sets you up to have just this giant mess where, one guy's looking at his neighbor and he's thinking, man, my guy at the locker next to me, he's got a quarter million dollars in his pocket and I got nothing, but I start and he doesn't. So what does that do to the fabric of the team? I don't know. I just think it's so fascinating to see how this all plays out. Because again, on one hand, I think that the kids should be able to uh, have business benefits from their performance and their talents. But on the other hand, it just seems like it could get so muddy when it comes to just the meshing of chemistry in a locker room. Yeah, and then you got to think about like, who do these folks work for, right? If they're, if they're, <laughs> right. they're getting two hundred fifty thousand dollars from the Ford dealership, and you know, a, whatever a twenty thousand dollar a year scholarship package from the university, who's their boss, right? And, and what is their boss paying them to do? Are they paying them to perform on the field, or are they paying them to deliver a brand a message? I mean, we see that often in professional sports where the best performers. You know, they're not necessarily the most marketable people, the best personalities, the best spokespeople. And sometimes, you know, endorsement dollars accrue to folks that are, you know, less um, skilled on the field and just are better brand ambassadors for whatever that brand is, is trying to, uh, to trying to sell. So it'll be interesting, you know, you sort of mentioned the word linear, you know, and we sort of assume that the most dollars in terms of endorsements will accrue to the, to the best players and the most prominent players, but, you know, that's not always the way it works with marketing dollars. Um, so that'll be interesting too. And then, you know, I think in response to your hypothetical there, you know, I think we're going to see, um, particularly when we're dealing with young people, maybe young people that are a little naive and maybe haven't, don't have the resources. We're going to see some pretty, um, I think students are going to have to read these contracts really carefully. You know, what is at stake and what are they giving away and what are they getting in return and what sort of security do they have in the deal? I think that'll be particularly interesting because these students, you know, a lot of these states are considering rules that will ban agents from the prospects. So these students might be negotiating their deals independent of an agent and nobody really, other than them and their family, looking out for their own interests. 
So it, it, it um, yeah, it's going to be a Wild West kind of scenario. Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, SMX Montana Television. Justin Angle joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. And we could talk about this forever and ever and ever, Justin, but we'll transition mm-hmm. a little bit just because I think that there's a couple other points I want to get to before we get you out of here. One thing we've talked about semi-frequently on this show is the TV rights battle in professional sports, particularly when it comes to the yep. NFL. Amazon is just a monster. The, the Amazon is is a, a company that is beyond the comprehension that I think that anybody that has ever monitored business in America could ever even predict it could be. But yet here we are, and I don't think there's any turning back. And now Amazon is taking over the Thursday night football rights for the NFL a year earlier than planned. They'll do it in 2022. Fox wanted out of the contract because they couldn't make money in the spot. And Amazon, now they have deep pockets that are going to cater to everything. So I'm so interested in the way that this changes the broadcasting and commentating when it comes to football, the way it changes consumption. All of a sudden, we've reached this tipping point where it seems as if almost everybody has a streaming device or a Roku or an Amazon Prime account or whatever it might be. And so the days of, quote-unquote, subscription-based consumption of live sports, it's commonplace now. And so I just wonder how this is going to impact. But what do you think? How, how is this Amazon infiltration and first step into the NFL going to impact the viewer experience? I, mean, I really think this could be a watershed moment for how um – you know, for, for how we consume sports and how sports are kind of packaged. If you think about a traditional broadcast experience, it's really engineered as an advertising delivery device, right? These, these networks, they pay the NFL a ton of money. In exchange for that, they're given the opportunity to monetize that advertising space, to monetize the eyeballs that turn in, that tune in to those games. Well, if you think about Amazon, one, they're not an advertiser, right? They're not a network. And their business model is plenty lucrative without that advertising revenue. So if you take advertising out of a viewing experience, you can create a much better experience. And what is Amazon particularly good at? They're good at creating seamless customer experiences, right? They're relentlessly dedicated to that. And thinking about what's possible in a world where you don't have to deliver ads in order to make money, uh, they could monetize the experience in some other way. I mean, uh, maybe it's through advertising their own products, but I doubt it. I think it's going to be something more interesting that will um, shake up the marketplace. Because at the end of the day, it's like breaking news and live sporting events are kind of the only things that we sort of still tune into at a particular time and a particular day. Breaking news is much less predictable than the football game. So they have an opportunity to have a captive audience and deep, deep, deep pockets to completely re-engineer the experience. And, you know, if you can watch a Thursday night football game in two hours versus, you know, a Sunday game where it's like three and a half hours to slog through all the ads, um, you know, the ratings are probably going to go up. They're going to start to gobble up market share. It could, you know, these are just, you know, sort of hot take predictions, but I think it could be uh, really interesting. I mean, the ads in football games, uh, I don't enjoy sitting through them. I, sure. You know, another ad for some pharmaceutical, prostate medicine, whatever <laughs> right. it is. Um, you know, I don't need to see that. I just want to see the game. And folks are kind of already doing that with recordings, and you sure. sort of fast forward, and, and networks are repackaging it. But Amazon could just take it to the next level. 
do you think they could cater to actual specific users too? In other words, if I'm watching, are they going to be trying to sell me a new pair of skis and you're watching, they're going to be trying to sell you a new pair of running shoes? A hundred percent. I mean, they are going to know everything about you. They got an Alexa in your house. Oh, they man. got a sensor in oh, your man. fridge. They're going to be like, you know, this guy Coulter is out of milk. He needs more milk. And we're going to just sort of like, Hey, it's a timeout. We know you're out of milk. Just click here on your remote and we're going to have that milk to you by a drone in, you know, 38 seconds. Oh, um, man. Yeah. That's where we're going, man. Oh man, you already you already threw me down the rabbit hole last time we talked about this. And what did you say? You said they're going to monitor my fridge to see when I'm out of butter, but then they're going to also tell me I have high cholesterol. So now I can't get the butter because the insurance company is going to exactly. know. Oh man, we we live in a absolute dystopia. Uh, we're not going to go down that angle though because this has been <laughs> wonderful. And Justin, we appreciate you, man. We got a lot more to get to, but we'll have to save it till next time. Maybe we can actually catch up next week since we missed last week. We're here nor there. Really appreciate you joining us. It's always a pleasure and uh, thanks so much we'll talk to you soon likewise Coulter be well a business angle with Justin Angle University of Montana business professor conversation about the overlay between sports and business it's Nuanas now 1029 ESPN Missoula SWX Montana television gotta get out because Matt Ellis is here if you're watching on TV you already know he's got his cool paddle heads hat on we need to get those uh, we need to get some of those uh, for us out in the ballpark Keep keep our heads from sunburning but either way all things baseball, specifically paddleheads, but maybe a little more uh, on the other side. So keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home Hey, welcome back. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It's Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Coulter Nuanas, now being joined in studio, Matt Ellis, Vice President of the Missoula Paddleheads. We do this each Tuesday, usually during the 4 o'clock hour, but Krista had to, Chris Redpath, our women's basketball analyst, had to come by because she's got the kids and she had to pick them up afterwards, so we kind of had to rearrange, but Matt's here, so thanks so much for being here, Matt. A couple notes before we get into some baseball talk. Uh, two things that I just wanted to mention. Uh, the Montana Football Hall of Fame, which I'm on the board of directors for, we're having our banquet in June, June 26th. And it's a great event. It's really fun. The tickets are on sale right now. You can find them Universal Athletic locations around the state of Montana. But I just wanted to give a, a well wish to our board of directors. Uh, he's the chairman of the board, Rick Halmus. He helped f- um, found the Montana Football Hall of Fame. And he's sort of our leader as we put together these banquets every year. We've been doing this for six years. This will be our fifth induction class. And it's been awesome. It's an event that's grown from about 500 people to last year, about 11, I guess two years ago before COVID, uh, about 1,100 people. And it's, it's super fun. It's a great night. But Rick had a little bit of a health scare earlier this week, and uh, he is in the hospital in Great Falls. But we wish him the best. Get well soon, my man. I hope you're doing okay. And one other somber note, this one was weird. Cole Brennan, who was a record-setting quarterback at the University of Hawaii, Cole Brennan was so dynamic and so captivating when he was at Hawaii, throwing for 10 million yards. He's the all-time leading 
uh, passer in the history of college football for a long, long time. But he was must-see TV because those Hawaii games, they wouldn't be on until like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And it was so awesome to watch him. He didn't have that much success in the NFL. He did make it to the NFL. But he abruptly died today, age 37. And that one just hurt me because we used to, I remember when we were in college, we would stay up until midnight watching Hawaii of all teams just because this kid was so captivating. So uh, a bummer for him, but uh, rest in peace to Cole Brennan. What's going on, Matt? How you been? Hey, uh, hard to follow that, but yeah, I'm doing great. Um, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're 10 days away. 10 days away. That's an amazing thing. So the Missoula Paddleheads, they do open up their season. Is it the 21st or the 22nd? We're actually on the 22nd. 22nd. So, I guess, 22nd. so a little more than 10. So I, I guess 11 so. days. But it all yeah. feels like it's crunch time now, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, you know, you kind of plan one day less just to make sure you're ready. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so we've been going through sort of the details of building uh, what is an, now an independent league team. And so the Pioneer Baseball League still exists. And it's now just moving into a sort of a different model. And we've been talking about just all the different changes and all the pluses to this. And I know it's been a lot of fun. But where are we at right now in the process? Because I know you guys are almost close, if not fully close, to solidifying your roster. And spring training starts soon. So there's a lot of moving parts here. But it seems like uh, all things good on the horizon. Yeah, all things are great on the horizon. Um, We're at 34 on our roster right now. Um, I think we're going to spring training with that as the number. Um, Spring training starts Saturday. And uh, we'll be down to a 25-man roster uh, by the 22nd on a week in a week. So we basically run through a week of workouts, some exhibition games, and uh, we're going to uh, get our top 25 guys and hit the ground running. And I like where we're at. What all goes into just the evaluation when you are going through spring training? Well, um, it's our coaches and myself and Brett Shore, our baseball operations guy, and Peter Davis, our owner. We're, we're basically going to work them out on a daily basis um, and uh, make evaluations based on a, a how how they came in physically, if they're if they're ready to go, if they'd worked out and done their thing, uh, were responsible in the off season. I mean, it's been an extra long off season for some of them almost two years um make sure they're healthy we're you know we work with missoula bone and joint as our athletic trainer this year so that's a great relationship locally that is a bonus to this uh, this new arrangement and um they're going to make sure our guys are healthy on on the first saturday and um you know we're um you know, going to make some cuts based on their ability and their talent and how they perform in the exhibition games um, and then what our needs are based on what we have talent-wise. I mean, we have a pretty good idea. Our manager, Michael Schlack, will make the final call on all these decisions, but he has a pretty good idea of who his 25 are, but it's good to have competition and um, it's good to work out these other t- uh, nine guys because we're going to need we're gonna need a bigger roster than 25 as the season goes on. So how does that part work? There's been, there might be some guys that quote-unquote get released after spring training, but then is there anywhere that for them to go or do they remain free agents or those guys, they're available to be signed by you or other organizations, right? So one of the culture things we're trying to create with um, our franchise is that we're a place to go because we care about you and your future. So if we're going to release a guy, we're going to do our best to give him a fit that's somewhere else in baseball, maybe trade him with another independent team um, uh, or even, uh, you know, find somebody that he, uh, has an opportunity to play for down the road. Uh, maybe uh, put him on on notice that he's one of the first guys we're going to bring back if we have an injury at that position. You know those kind of things. So you know it's real important for us to take care of the player as well as our our best interest and make sure that they have a path. So Michael Schlack is 
going to do great work on that and already has. Like, if there's a player on our roster through this whole preseason that didn't fit or got bumped because we hired, we brought in somebody better in our mind, we immediately tried to find him a place in baseball so his pro career can continue. Any new signings since the last? It's been, I guess, two weeks since we we spoke. So, right. do, do you have any new uh, guys that are in the mix that are part of that that thirty five that you got on the roster right now? Well, we um, actually uh, we're going to release the whole roster at the end of the week. Um, but you know, one of the guys that I'm real excited about that uh, we've acquired is our first baseman, Matt Workington. He's just Canadian. Um, we're bringing him into uh, to this year. I think he's going to play first base for us on a regular basis. Our shortstop, Clay Fisher, um, is in town. He's sitting in the cage uh, daily, and I th- he looks really good. I'm excited about Clay. Um, we've got uh, a, we've had a second player almost go to the big leagues, but uh, the deal couldn't be worked out in terms of uh, joining affiliated baseball. Um, but we've you've got one of our starters or one of our pitchers. He might be in the bullpen. We haven't decided yet. Uh, Maddox Conger is throwing almost 100 miles an hour. Nice. Love that. Former Vanderbilt uh, pitcher. I mean, Zach Allman. We've talked about him in you know a lot on this show because of course he's you know he's going to be our third or fourth hitter. He's our he's our he's going to be our main bat in the lineup. Well known name around here yeah. for, for all Osprey slash Paddleheads fans. And he's just going to be he's a catcher. I mean. Have, to have a catcher who can hit in the middle of the order is, you know, puts us a leg up over everybody else in my mind. So, you know, I'm just real excited about this whole team. We got a great mix, and um, Michael Schlack, George Horton, Bobby Brown, uh, they all did an amazing job putting this team together. Matt Ellis from Missoula Paddleheads joining us here on Nuanas Now. It's a totally random question, but I've been meaning to ask you this. Remember Richard Peralta? Uh-huh. He was a catcher. Whatever happened to him? You know, I don't know. I have to look him up. I, I would, I would have to too, right? <laughs> I just remember that was a long time ago. Right. Uh, but I, that was right. when I, I, that was, I believe, the summer when I was interning at the Missoulian, and right. Bill Speltz was right. kind enough to let me cover the Osprey, and uh, so I was writing about him, and I, I just remember he was always really cool to me, and I always, I, I always remembered him fondly. Obviously, the guy that. Um, we remember the best from from that team is Paul Goldschmidt. Right. I, I mean, I've told this story a million times, but I'll never forget when the Billings Mustangs were winning nine to one. And and when you're working in a newspaper, it's tight deadlines for baseball because the first pitch is at seven. Game. You got to be you got <laughs> to be you got to have your story in by eleven. So sometimes you're you're scrambling. And so I'm a Cub reporter. I got no idea what I'm doing. And so I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, I'm, I'm good, man. I got my whole story written. I'm sitting above the Billings Mustangs dugout. I'm just waiting for their manager. I'm going to get a couple quotes. I'm going to send it off. Deadline's early. I'm going to be all, all good. And then the Osprey just have an unbelievable rally. It's like an eight or nine run rally. And I think Goldschmidt hit two home runs in the bottom of the ninth, <laughs> including, I believe, a walk-off three-run home run. Or maybe he had a, the game-winning RBI, whatever it was. But I never forget telling him that. I was like, man, you're killing me. You, you ruined, I was right. like, congratulations, but you ruined my whole story. But he's like, well, I'm glad I ruined it because we deserve to win this game. And that was an awesome memory. But it was an I'll, August game. And it was it's actually, yeah. uh, in my 30 years, that's a top 10 game for me. Has to be. And that didn't even win anything, right? It right. was just a regular season just game. It was a regular season game. But it was against Billings, which was number one. Sure. It's like sure. You know, beating your rival. Yeah. And then number two, it actually propelled us to the 
to catch up and, and take over that uh, the lead in that division, and we actually went to the championship game and fell one game short. But that was a great team. Well, Chris they, uh, Owings, I mean, there's still guys in the big leagues oh, for from, sure. that, from that team. Well, accentuated by the fact that Paul Goldschmidt's like a bona fide right. real star. You know, I mean, I, that's it's a, my, actually, that was funny. My mom on Mother's Day was asking me who's the most famous person you've ever met or interviewed, and I was talking about some of the, the old coaches like Bobby Knight and some of the old uh, NFL guys that I got to know, like Dick Butkus and, and Joe Theismann. But Goldschmidt's got to be up there. I mean, he's definitely one of the most famous uh, uh, contemporary he'll, athletes. He'll get his number retired in Missoula, and we'll bring him back. He's and he's a he's a friend of the team. He's it's just a great person. I mean, that's one of the things you love it when guys are successful and stars, but also are great people off the field. Yeah, I mean, it just makes it that much sweeter. No question. Matt Ellis joining us, Missoula Paddleheads here on Nuanas Now. It's our Tuesday baseball segment that we're going to do each and every Tuesday, uh, at least most each and every Tuesday for the foreseeable future all the way through the summer. Paddleheads, they open up the 2021 season here uh, in about 11 days, Saturday, May 22nd, with the first game of the new Paddleheads era. What's been the most challenging part about this transition for you guys, Matt? Um, it's taken on all the extra work, you know, yeah. I mean, with our staff. I mean, not that I'm complaining. I, I love it. It's work we love. But, sure. you know, it's just it added a whole other layer uh, of uh, things that we needed to do, which is things we are loving doing. Um, and, uh, you know, COVID's kind of been another layer, you know, just balancing everything and what the rules are on a daily basis and dealing with, um, you know, getting not only our staff vaccinated and our baseball our stadium staff but our players vaccinated i mean it's just there's just a lot more uh things to deal with today than there would have been in the past um but it's uh it's been great it's been very rewarding and uh i'm looking forward to games starting because you know i'm anxious i really think our team's one of the best in the league and i hope we i just can't wait to prove it on the field no question i'm setting myself up here somebody <laughs> said we were joking uh, we were joking on a call and you know when we were all saying how good this this team could be and michael schlack says uh you know we i, I really like our team and then george horton who's you know been in baseball forever he's on the call he says michael that's how you get fired in this business <laughs> <laughs> so i guess i'm setting myself up too saying that we're gonna be really good but i really believe it well that's good that's how you should operate man it's a, mm-hmm. that's that's one thing i always learned from from covering Bobby Houck so extensively. Mm-hmm. Coach Houck, when he knows he's going to be good for the Montana Grizzlies, he'll tell you every day of the week that they're going to be good. And, uh, I mean, it's like he said coming out of this latest spring. He said, we want to do two things. We wanted to play football games, and we want to make a statement to the rest of the country, and we did both, and that's absolutely true. So I do think that a, a level of confidence is a good thing, especially in a town like Missoula that loves a winner. Last thing for you then, Matt, what, any loose ends to tie up here? Or what, or what's the next 11 days look like? Obviously, you have spring training and, and solidifying the roster, but is there anything else that's sort of in the works or that you need to take well, care of here? Well, let's tell about the fans what they can, how they can be involved. Yeah, this, totally. Week. Please. I mean, because our players are arriving. We're going to have closed workouts during the week. But on Wednesday of next week, on, okay. uh, on the 19th, we're going to have a, uh, uh, an exhibition game. And it's a $5 ticket, but it's all going to Project Tomorrow. Sweet. It's a fundraiser. We encourage everybody to come out. And uh, see this team. Um, we'll have concessions and everything open. It'll, it'll be a great night, and I, and we're going to raise money for uh, a really uh, uh, worthwhile nonprofit. The other thing that we're doing is on Sunday night we're having a, a, a private. I call it private, but anybody out there that's listening and wants to inquire about being a host family can come and be a part of it. We're doing a get together with our players and 
uh, potential host family uh, homes and season ticket holders, and it's a chance for them to come out, meet our players, meet our team uh, in a private, you know, intimate setting, you know, socially distanced and safe, and um, and get a chance to see who these guys are as people and, and make a decision if they want to host a, a player for the summer. We're still looking for some. Uh, we promise that all players will be uh, vaccinated, so there won't be any issues there. And um, you know, that's something I think the, that is a really, gr- you know, we've got people that had Jazz Chisholm and he still talks to him, gets a hit and sends him a text from the bench. I mean, I'm joking, but it's kind of how, <laughs> how it feels sometimes. <laughs> For all details on all things Missoula Paddleheads, MILB.com backslash Missoula. It's easy, so you can go find all that sort of detail. We'll get, we'll give you another update, another reminder about the, the Wednesday event and everything else that's coming up next week. But in the meantime, thanks for swinging by, Matt. It's always fun, and thanks, thanks so much for, for being me. here. It's a great pleasure to be here, and appreciate everything you do. Tuesdays here on Nuanas Now, all things baseball with Matt Ellis, Vice President of the Paddleheads. We'll do it again next week. Got to get out because we got to get back and finish up the show. Russell Westbrook set an all-time record last night. Why is he so polarizing? We'll tell you more right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula right after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. Bro, you got like 20 seconds. Producer, he says yes. Then I completely destroy his clock, and then he plays Britney Spears as the outro. The battle never ends. Nuanas now. Thanks so much for listening. You want to check it out on the podcast. It's easy. All your podcast platforms. Podcast presented by Sportsbet Montana. We get by Wyndham Hotel and Blackfoot Communications. Back tomorrow, Sean Rainey in the seat with me. We'll see you at 4 o'clock. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.